This week on the 624, we talk about kangaroos and how do you reconcile the two contradictory creation accounts in Genesis. Let's get started. Welcome to the 624, the weekly podcast of Central Texas Creation Ministries, taking a stand on God's Word and trusting it from the very first verse. Join us as we look at creation and the Bible to understand the world around us. Well, welcome to The 624. My name is Dave Napier. I am the host of the podcast and, of course, the founder of Central Texas Creation Ministries and the Central Texas Creation Conference coming up on October 12th. I always say that. Uh, tickets will go on sale in August if you'll be on the lookout for that. But I am here, and I am glad that you are with me. I'm glad that you—I mean, you have a choice, let's face it. And I am blessed that you actually spend your time with me. And uh, you're here on the 624, where even the name tells you that God created in six literal days. And so uh, I hope that you guys had a good weekend. You know I had a good weekend. I always have a good weekend. I uh, went and got some drone footage and uh, went out to Walnut Creek, got some drone footage. Well— so I took a hike, and uh, it's kind of cool. There's all kinds of areas. I go out to this one trail. I kind of time myself, see how fast I can I can go. <laughs> Let's face it, I don't run it, uh, but I'm getting faster. Uh, I beat my time by 45 seconds last week, uh, but I go run that, and then there's this waterfall area where I go. I can pray and read and, and stuff like that. It's really awesome, and then uh, I did some drone footage in a creek bed, and found a new trail that you have to climb up this big hill and all kinds of stuff. It was really awesome. I had a good time. Uh, so I was taking I, t- I was taking some drone footage in this dried out creek bed. There's still some water running through it and uh, over to the side. And it's it's not huge. There's a lot of curves or, for the creek and stuff. Uh, but it's just big enough to where you can get in there and take some footage. So I had a really good time. I really enjoyed it. So I hope you guys had a good time too. Uh, I really did. I enjoyed my weekend this week. So anyway, as we get into the podcast today, I want to talk about kangaroos. Oh yes, marsupials. Yes. Uh, Now, I remember hearing an old radio debate. It was with Kent Hovind, and I want to say, and I may be lying to you because I couldn't find it, but I want to say it was with Eugenie Scott, who was the former director of the NCSE, the National Center for Science Education. So one of the things that they brought up against creation was the fact that there are animals in certain places that have no evidence of migration. So one of the examples they gave was of kangaroos. We don't find, supposedly, evidence of kangaroos anywhere else but Australia which means that they evolved there in Australia and they didn't migrate from the Middle East. And so this was a big deal. And for years now, that's been a point of contention. You know, where's the evidence? And I've, I've, heard, I've heard actual evidence for kangaroos in other places, but nothing really uh, secular, nothing that was really concrete that I had found, to be fair. Uh, but there's an article out, uh, two places did an article on this, Scroll, which is a secular uh, site, uh, they actually did an uh, an article on the fa- the person who found some uh, cave art, basically some pictographs, and then ICR did an article about it as well. The one in Scroll that I'll, of course, I'll reference both of the articles on the website centraltexascreation.com. You can check that out. 
the article from Scroll says this. This is the article title. Did kangaroos ever live in India? A new discovery has some archaeologists hopping with excitement. Oh, yeah, they went there. So anyway, it says that the little tagline, archaeologist Jinu Koshi has found thousands of rock drawings in Andhra Pradesh. I'm sure I said that wrong, including some of marsupials. How did it land there and why? In other words, the marsupial, how did it get there? Now, I'm going to read you a little bit of the article as it talks about it. It says, if you have seen the 30,000-year-old stick figures in the caves of Bimtik, I'm going to mess all these names up. Bimbetka in central India or the 2,200-year-old dazzling murals of Ahanta and Elora in western India, you will agree that cave drawings are chronicles of life. In many ways, they are the original graphic novels, the stories tattooed on walls of ancient migratory routes. Goes on to say, rock art is the earliest visual manifestation of the innate artistic urge of the human being, said Shanruli Navuri. Man, I, I wish I could. You know, it's one of those things where it's names like that that you can't look. It's not like you can look them up and really know how to say them. You just got to go for it. So I apologize uh, if any of those things, any of those names are your names. Uh, and it goes on to say this in the trips that followed Koshi. So he goes to this area and he winds up finding these these art, the art and all this kind of stuff. And it says in the trips that followed Koshi, along with a few of his students, discovered more than 200 caves with these prehistoric drawings. Uh, it says in the trips that followed Koshi, along with a few of his students, discover more than 200 caves with these prehistoric drawings. Koshi believes that the area could possibly have been home to a vibrant community of prehistoric people with children jumping around streams and adults foraging edible tubers, hunting antelopes with stone tools and mincing its meat with stone implements. Um, that's an interesting statement to make. But anyway, it says this is possibly the first time archaeology, excuse me, this is possibly the first time archaeological finds related to marsupials have been unearthed in India although fossil discoveries have been made more than a decade ago. So there have, been, uh, fossil, there have been fossils found that are like single things like teeth and stuff like that that some believe are marsupial. And so there has been some kind of fossil evidence, but there's been nothing definite, nothing that's quite as certain as this. Now, there's still some people that disagree that these are marsupials on the walls, but a lot of people are going, hey, I think this is it. So looking at this, this is cool. This is awesome because we can say, look, there's proof of kangaroos outside of Australia. Therefore, they must have migrated to Australia. A couple of things with that. Of course, India is on its way from the Middle East to Australia. So it would make sense there. Okay. Uh, now, of course, there's a concept of, well, how did they get from the Middle East over to Australia? Australia is a large island, okay? And so, remember, there's an ice age that we still have to work with. The ice age would have lowered the sea level and allowed people to come across, not to mention the fact that they had boats, okay? So, we have to remember these types of things. Now, the other question that we have to remember is, what about other animals? Okay, we didn't find, you know, why didn't we find a whole bunch of kangaroo fossils? Why didn't we find a whole bunch of other animal fossils? 
Well, we, we need to remember that fossils are the exception and not the rule. In other words, most of the fossils that we find, 95% of them are marine fossils. Understand that. 95% of the fossils that we find are marine fossils because it's all the water that is brought up onto the land with the sediment. It's buried all these marine fossils up on land. So we're finding 95% of them are marine. The Of the other 5%, there's, there's an even smaller percentage that is vertebrate animals. And from there, you get into less than 1% that are full, that are actual, uh, well, I'll say this, a good percentage of a skeleton. Most fossils are a jumbled mess of single bones. And so there is not a quick, easy way to find all these animals in the fossil record. That's why there's so much uncertainty when it comes to evolution and, you know, what what came from what and where did it come from and uh, who lived where and what did they eat and this sort of thing because the fossil record is a jumbled mess. It's almost like a huge global flood smashed everything together and then and and beat it up and tore it apart and then buried it in sediment. It's almost like that. Surely it's not like that, but it's almost like that. So the cool thing is, is that we can say that there are there were kangaroos outside of Australia. And interestingly enough, it's on the route from the Middle East to Australia. And so there would be some kind of cooperation to the story of the migration from the Middle East to Australia. And of course, then the Ice Age. And we'll talk more about the Ice Age and how that might affect things at the conference this year on October 12th. You can check it out uh, on our website. Uh, but as we move from this one, I want to move to how do you reconcile the two accounts of creation, these contradictory accounts of creation? You know, I asked on a forum uh, what people's questions were about creation. And this was one of them, a, a gentleman who I can't remember his name now. Uh, great guy. Love him to death. And uh, I'm so grateful if you listen. I'm grateful for your feedback and I appreciate it. Uh, he gave gave me this example, said he didn't necessarily believe in, in six-day creation. And one of the things he cited was the two contradictory accounts of creation in Genesis. So I wanted to cover that in case other people have this same uh, problem with biblical creation, with biblical six-day creation. So this problem that people are citing is that when it comes to Genesis, there's two contradictory accounts of creation. Now, I personally think that it's pretty easy to reconcile these two accounts. There's really nothing contradictory about the two accounts, to tell the truth. This is something that has been perpetuated by people who are trying to bash the Bible, by people who are trying to say that it was evolutionary time lengths, it wasn't six days, that sort of thing. And I, I wouldn't say that it's malicious. I would say that they... They probably did believe it when they looked at it, uh, you know, on the surface and didn't look at it any deeper and were good to go. Like, yep, this proves it. I'm good to go. But when we look at it deeper, I think we'll find there's really nothing contradictory about it. And as a matter of fact, it winds up being a little bit silly when we really think about it. Let me show you what I mean. Now, I'm going to read this for you because... I want to make sure you understand what the Bible actually says. When somebody says, ah, there's two contradictory creation accounts, 
we need to get in there and read the Bible and find out what it actually says to see if it's contradictory. So this is going to be a little bit long. I'm going to start in day 6 in verse 26 of Genesis 1. And then we're going to go through chapter 2. And we'll see what the Bible says when we're talking about these two contradictory creation accounts. So here we go. Verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the morning and the evening were the sixth day. Now chapter 2 says this, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and, and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Verse 8 goes on to say this, The Lord God planted a garden eastward of Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Habla, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gahan, and it is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedekel, and it is the one that goes toward the east of, goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man... 
he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, so here we have the two supposed contradictory accounts uh, of creation. Now, let me ask you this. In there, in there, did you find anything that was contradictory? Because in chapter 1, what we have is an overview, a summary of everything that happened on each day. So he created this on this day. He created this on this day. On day 6, he created the animals. He created man and woman. He created, or he created mankind, and he created a man and woman. And he told them to, you know, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over everything. And then in chapter 2, it goes back and it gives detail of day 6. Is it really two contradictory accounts or is chapter 2 simply the detail of day 6? See, I think if you really look at it, it, it is obvious that it is simply a detail of that summary on day 6. God created the animals and created humankind, male and female. That's the summary in chapter 1. But understand that day 6 is the culmination of creation. Okay, it's the finishing out. Day six, he creates man, which is the whole point of everything else. So day one through five, he does this for day six. It's pretty important. You know, you think about it, it makes sense that he would go back if day six, the creation of mankind, is the most important thing. It makes sense that he would give a summary. Hey, this is what I did. Now, let me go back and tell you specifically about mankind, specifically about that day six. There's nothing odd about this. You know, you think about it. That's how I describe my hike. I describe my hike the very same way. I went back I told you that I went and got drone footage, right? And then I went back and I described the hike. I said, hey, I went here, I went there, I did this, I did that. I gave you a summary of the hike. But then I went back and said, hey, I was taking drone footage in a dry creek bed. And I talked about that. None of you thought, at least I'm pretty sure, I'd be willing to bet, even though I'm not a betting man, I would be willing to bet that none of you thought, oh, wait, he must be talking about another day he went and did drone footage. Oh, wait, he must, he must be talking about something different now. No, of course not. You didn't think that. No one was confused by that. I went through, gave you a summary, and then I went back and gave you details of the most important part of that hike, which I set up in the beginning that I had gone and gotten drone footage. So it's the exact same thing. No one was confused. It's not confusing at all. And so this is simply detail of that summary. Now, the second thing is this. I want to point this out to you. And I want to be careful because I want to be sensitive to what people may be thinking and, and people who haven't really thought through this. But let me give you this. The second thing is this. I want you to really stop and think. Because my guess is that proponents of this two contradictory account theory either A, just simply believe it because it it goes along with their belief that they already had, their presupposition of, hey, there's no six-day biblical creation, whatever. It's evolutionary time frames. Or it's people who have heard this and thought, oh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, it's probably, probably wrong, probably two contradictory accounts. 
you kind of just go along with it. But here's my problem with that. When you really talk about it, think of it this way, you're basically calling the author an idiot. Because you'd have to be calling him an idiot if you're to say uh, that, hey, this guy wrote two different contradictory accounts of creation back to back and gave no explanation or context. Do you really think that that's what happened? I mean, what does that say about what you think about the authors of the Bible? You know, if this is true, why are we trusting anything in the Bible if the authors could give two contradictory accounts back to back with no explanation, no context at all? Not to mention the fact that there was people around Moses. I believe that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Uh, There were people around him, obviously, that would have read this stuff. And I'm pretty sure that if it was two contradictory accounts of creation, somebody would have been like, hey, um, about that thing you wrote in chapter 2, don't you think it would be better? Or what did you actually mean by that? I mean, were they afraid of him? Did they... Uh, Or did they just also support a two-contradictory account of creation theory? Uh, It just doesn't make sense. If you stop and think about it, it really doesn't make sense. And so I I hope that you'll think through this, and I hope that anybody who has, you know, looked at this and thought, hey, you know what, that's a good point. There's two contradictory creation accounts, or even if you've just been confused by it, I hope that you'll go back and look at it and realize it is simply, chapter 2 is simply the details of that summary of chapter 1. And number 2, it doesn't even make sense to say that there's two contradictory accounts because that means you're telling us that the author literally wrote them back to back with no explanation and no context. Like he would have to be high or drunk to just suddenly write two contradictory accounts I, that is not Dave saying that Moses was drunk, but you you understand what I mean. It would have to be something like that for him to write two different contradictory accounts and then just leave it and be like, yeah, right on, let's do it that way. Uh, I think when we really stop and think about it, it makes more sense to understand that chapter two is the detail of chapter one in that creation account. So uh, if you want more detail on any of the stuff I've talked about, of course, you can go on the website and take a look, centraltexascreation.com. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope we made it a little bit shorter. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you'll be back next week where we're going to be talking about the bloopers of radiometric dating, how we continue to get the dating methods wrong, and yet we still think we're right. But until then, I pray that you'll subscribe, you'll like, you'll comment, review. If you'll just partner with me, if you'll you know be a part of this, you can be a part of this movement, this 624 movement in a sense, by subscribing and commenting so those algorithms will get this out to other people. You can be a part of this by telling other people, putting it on Facebook, giving it to your family and friends. And I've heard several of you have done that. And so I really appreciate that. But like, subscribe, comment, review. But until then, I pray that God gives you the knowledge to know him and the courage to share him. Thank you for listening to The 624, the weekly podcast of Central Texas Creation Ministries. Join us again next time as we look at creation and the Bible to understand the world around us. To learn more, visit our website at www.centraltexascreation.com.